I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Courtney, and this is Caffeinated Crimes. Welcome to this episode that we were finally able to start recording because we've had a few issues today that got in the way, so. Yeah, we have loud neighborhoods, apparently, during the day on a Saturday. Apparently so. <laughs> yeah, um, apparently the like early evening, like 5, 6 o'clock p.m. time frame is when all of my neighbors do their yard work, so... This is two weeks in a row now that my neighbors have started mowing or weed eating or whatever as soon as we start to record. So um, we had to delay a little bit and then Courtney has some kids playing outside of her house because it's not their bedtime or anything. So yeah, I literally texted Jacqueline and was like, why are kids playing outside? Go to bed. (laughs) And like, (laughs) I know they're just having fun, so I shouldn't be like a Grinch, but I'm like, why are you screaming? But it was like a laugh scream, and I'm like, please, please stop talking. You don't don't have to be so loud about it, okay? (laughs) Play quietly, please. I know you're outdoors in your own little space, but for my sake, please be quiet. (laughs) Right? You're like, can you not see that I have something I'm doing in here? Like, can you not tell that? Which just also made me think, um, I follow on Instagram and TikTok, like, a few people who, like, live in New York and talk about Mm -hmm. how loud it is just constantly, like, in there. Like, one guy was like... It takes me, like, two hours to film a TikTok because every time I start, like, a car beeps outside, all this stuff. And I'm like, we could never record the podcast from our apartments if we lived in New York. No. (laughs) Like, I would have to get something to soundproof the shit out of whatever room I was in. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. But if anyone listening um, knows of good soundproofing technology or... I don't know, walls, curt... Well, clearly we don't know. So if you guys know, please let us know because we would be interested in you know, trying that out for these louder days. But for now, we're just glad that we live in relatively quiet areas. So <laughs> yeah, I got these like, they're supposed to be noise canceling curtains, but they, they didn't work. No, <laughs> <laughs> They didn't really cancel any noise back when I lived. I'm sure you guys remember the old episodes where you could just hear cars constantly at my old yes. apartment. <laughs> yes, my old house too, always had cars because we lived on a very busy road. But now both of us live in for the most part, very quiet areas, unless it's, you know, between 5 and 8 p.m. apparently, so. That's when everyone is outside doing something. Yes, and typically we record on Sunday mornings, as I'm sure we've mentioned before, but we're doubling up on episodes this week because I'm going to pop out a baby any day, so we want to make sure you guys have plenty of episodes, so that's why we're recording here in the evening. Um, Also, this is coming out in June, so happy June. It's almost summer, and I will most likely really hopefully have a baby when you guys are hearing this episode. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be right after most people have a three-day weekend with Memorial Day. So you're probably just getting back into your groove. You have all your podcasts you got to catch up with. So hopefully you're having a good day. It's not too crazy. Hopefully things are going well for your Monday of the week. Yes, definitely. So we are doing an espresso this week. Um, So I'm going to tell Courtney a story that I hope she's never heard before because I'm going to be very sad if I start talking and she's heard it but yeah which very thankfully I thought this a few hours ago um, I'm feeling a little bit more awake now but when we were going to record earlier I was like thank god I am not talking because I am (laughs) tired I'm still maybe a little hungover I don't know I wasn't that hungover (laughs) this morning but I was like man thank goodness I am not talking (laughs) You know, I had that, like, afternoon slump where I was, like, really tired, and I got what was supposed to be a decaf frappuccino. I'm not completely sure because I felt way better after it, but it could have just be the sugar, too, so. 
<laughs> yeah, I took like a 30 minute nap. Like I basically like was propping my head up and fell asleep, you know, like you do, like you're pretending you're still yep. awake, but you're not. Um, I did that and that made me feel a little better. And then I ate and I was like, okay, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I was yeah, just, yeah. that afternoon slump is real. <laughs> it is legit. Like it's, it's a struggle, but we're good and ready to go and ready to tell this story now. Um, so our sources today are an episode of 48 Hours, which was season 31, episode 12, a CBS News article, an ABC News article, 9news.com, and the Sunday Mail Queensland. So we're in Australia. Yes. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Hello, mate. Oh, that's not Australian. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> you want some shrimp on the barbie <laughs> isn't oh, she a beaut <laughs> okay sorry I'm, I'm very very sorry to our australian <laughs> listeners for that <laughs> oh you can make fun of americans all you want i'll i'll do it with oh, you <laughs> please do <laughs> so samantha jeldenheis grew up on the sunshine coast in australia with her mom alex dad juan and little brother reese They lived a comfortable and normal life until Samantha discovered at 20 years old that her name was actually Savannah and her mother's name was actually Lee Barnett. She had been kidnapped and they had been on the run from the FBI for two decades. That is just not what you want to find out as an adult. No, that's a, that'll kind of shock your world a little bit. A little bit. So, Lee Barnett and her two brothers were raised by a single mom after their father passed away. Um, They lived on their father's social security income, and they didn't have much extra money, but that didn't stop them from finding ways to travel around the world. So, they spent time in several states in the U.S., and then also lived with local families in Belize for a time. And as Lee got older, she held on to her love of travel and would travel to new countries with friends as well. So, they are just, like, exploring all over the place having a good time, living the life. So Lee was working as a flight attendant in Charleston, South Carolina, when she met a stockbroker named Harris Todd. And when I was researching this case, I kept wanting to call him Todd Harris because Harris Todd just does not sound like it's in the right order. But that is the right order. So Yeah, it definitely sounds like your names are Yes. I feel like last names that are first names are so weird. Yeah, and I feel like Harris is a much more common last name than first name. So... Anyway, but Harris Todd is his name. So they were friends for five years before becoming romantically involved. Um, Many of Lee's friends didn't approve of their relationship. So Lee was very bubbly and outgoing and Harris was just not. Um, He really preferred Lee to be at home with him and her friends felt like he kept her from them. Lee said that he felt like a challenge to her, like she was going to be the one to bring him out of his shell. So, Lee and Harris decided to get married despite Lee wanting children and Harris being adamant that he never wanted children. And Lee felt like she could persuade him to change his mind. Just a little piece of advice. Just don't do that. No, that never works. Like, you just need to have that conversation and, like, if you decide, like, having kids is something, like, your ultimate goal in life, like, you're just going to have to find someone else to be with. Exactly. (laughs) Usually, especially when you get to a certain point, like, people are just not going to change their mind. No, definitely not. Like, it's, that's one of those things that if you, if it's for sure a deal breaker for you, then that's it. It has to be a deal breaker. You can't be like, oh, well, I'll change their mind. No, no, no. No, you'll never change their mind. 
And if you, like, trick them into getting you pregnant, they're just going to resent you for the rest of your life. Exactly. It just is a lose-lose situation. It really is. Um, And Harris did not change his mind and was not happy when Lee became pregnant shortly after they got married. Um, He told her to get an abortion, but she refused. And he repeatedly told her throughout her pregnancy, there's no baby. Like, you're not pregnant. There's no baby. Even when she was, like, nine months pregnant and very visibly pregnant, he just, like, refused to believe it. So, obviously, this started a lot of conflict between the two, but Harris claimed that most of their conflict was not because of the pregnancy, but because of Lee's temper. He claimed that she would get physically violent during arguments and would throw things at him. He said, you never know when you're going to come through the door and have a flower pot launched. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of wild. It's pretty uh, extreme. Yeah, that's, um, you know, not really a good use of your flowers. Those are kind of expensive. I think you want to... I know, like the flower pot, like use something that like won't break when you throw it. Exactly. I don't, anyway. Um, He said one time Lee was banging her head against the wall repeatedly so hard that the lights were flickering on and off. Lee says that she never banged her head against the wall. So she's like, no, that didn't happen at all. Hmm. Um, One night she flipped a coffee table over while yelling during an argument. And when she got out the next morning, Harris was gone. So Harris said that he feared for his safety while living with Lee. Um, He said he asked her to move out several times, but she wouldn't. And he also claims that he never asked her to get an abortion. So we have lots of conflicting information between these two. I was going to ask too, like, does Lee say like, uh, yeah, I went a little overboard sometimes. Or is she like, no, I was the perfect wife and his dinner was always ready and I never broke anything. Like, does she dispute that? Give me like 45 seconds. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So Lee's mother suggested a psychiatrist named Dr. Oliver Bjorkton, I think is how you pronounce that. So Lee brought it up to Harris and was surprised when he agreed to see the doctor with her. So during their first appointment, Dr. Bjorkton diagnosed her as being on the bipolar spectrum, specifically as having hyperthymic temperament characterized by dwelling, blaming, and temper outbursts. Um, He prescribed her a drug called Nevain to assist with with these outbursts. Um, Lee consulted one of her friends that was a doctor, and she said that it was an antipsychotic and advised her not to take it. So Lee then learned that Harris had reached out to her mother, and they had found Dr. Bjorkton together. And even worse, Harris had already had a meeting with Dr. Bjorkton before their first session and had told him all about Lee's personality and behaviors. Oh. So... This is super unethical on the part of this doctor. And would that medicine be okay to take while she's pregnant? Was she still pregnant? I believe she was pregnant. Um, Probably not. I would think not a good idea. I would think you would want to wait until like after the baby was born to start some like new drug that you don't know how you're going to react to. Exactly. But this doctor is making his diagnosis based on what her husband has told him at their session before, not on... His conversation with, like, he diagnosed her with this during her first appointment with him. That doesn't, that's not how that goes. Yeah, you can't do that. That's very, very unethical. Yeah. So, to answer your question, Lee does not deny that she flipped a coffee table over and did throw things at Harris during their marriage. Um, However, she said that Harris would call her often, like when she was out with friends, and he would taunt her, telling her that she was insane, she was sick, she was crazy. Um, And one of Lee's friends was with her when she, like, received these calls, and she confirmed that, like, yes, like, he's, like, yelling these things at her over the phone, just telling her that she's just, like, crazy, and he doesn't know what to do with her, and all of this stuff. Um, So she was, you know, violent with him as well, but. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's, like, 
sometimes you're just in like a bad relationship where you do like out of character things because somebody yeah. pushes you to that point basically not that it's okay to throw things but it's like mm-hmm. it wasn't like Harris was just like the sweet devoting perfect husband who let her do yes. whatever she wanted never provoked her it's like there was more going on <laughs> exactly Behind every crazy woman's a man who made her that way. Just kidding. (laughs) Whatever. Don't come at me being like men's rights, okay? Because, I mean, a lot of the time it's probably the case. But anyway, (laughs) that's not true. Maybe. Um, So Lee Lee filed for divorce when she was seven months pregnant. Um, And at this time, Harris claimed that he had PTSD because of Lee's abuse. Um, So Lee and Harris were separated when she gave birth to their baby girl, Savannah, in May of 1993. Um, Their divorce proceedings were ongoing, and when Savannah was two and a half months old, Harris filed for custody, which is interesting because he never wanted children. Yeah. So an ugly custody battle ensued with both sides trying to damage the other's reputation. Um, Lee said that Harris wanted to take her baby to punish her, which to me kind of makes sense if he never wanted kids. Mm -hmm. Um. She said that he was gay and a liar, because I guess that's relevant to the, <laughs> to this situation. What year was this? 93. Oh, yeah. So they're like, oh, well, he's gay. Can't he's raise gay. a kid. That's the biggest <laughs> insult you can give. <laughs> um, Harris said that he loved Savannah with his whole heart. Um, he also said that Lee was promiscuous and had stalked him. So they're just like going at each other yeah. nonstop. If I was a judge, I'd be like... Neither of y'all getting this baby. Right? Someone else take this baby. Can we have a third party in here somewhere? <laughs> so the biggest blow to Lee's case was when the marriage therapist, Dr. Bjorkton, who we know is not very ethical, um, testified on Harris's behalf. So Dr. Bjorkton confirmed the diagnosis of her mental illness and said that it was associated with violence. Another mental health expert also testified that Lee might be dangerous and that Harris was the more predictable parent and should therefore be awarded custody. However, two additional psychiatrists testified on Lee's behalf and said that she showed no signs of mental illness and did not need to be taking antipsychotic drugs. But on February 18th, 1994, the judge ruled in favor of Harris Todd and awarded him full custody of Savannah. He said that Harris was better equipped to provide a stable home environment for Savannah and referenced Lee's inability to control her impulses in court after she lost her temper a few times when she claimed that Harris was telling lies on the stand. So... He's telling lies about her and she kind of loses it in court and they reference that as far as her not being able to control herself. Um, The judge also referenced Lee only being a flight attendant while Harris was a successful stockbroker because clearly your job impacts your ability to be a good parent. Mm, Don't know about that one. Mm -mm, Nope, it doesn't. Um... (laughs) So the judge believed that Lee's mental illness could lead to suicide or even homicide. Um, And then at the court proceedings, Harris said that he would take his daughter to a psychiatrist if she showed the first signs of mental illness like her mother. Um, So this was really the breaking point for Lee because she's like, I'm not crazy and I'm struggling enough to prove that I'm sane as an adult. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine like how a child would be able to do so if he becomes convinced that she's mentally ill as well. So she's like, what am I going to do if he takes my baby to a psychiatrist at two years old and they try to diagnose her with something like she's never going to be able to come out of that if I can't even come out of that as a sane adult. Yeah. And like what medicine is he going to convince this doctor to put her on? Like she'll just be like probably sedated or be put into like a, 
you know, um, some kind of like mental institution so he doesn't have to deal with her anymore because he honestly does not want her. He just wants to make Lee mad, basically. Yeah, exactly. So Lee tried to appeal this decision, but the judge had to file her paperwork within 45 days and he did not do so. Um, So basically she lost like the ability to appeal because the judge didn't do what he was supposed to do. Um, So she turned to alternatives to keeping her daughter safe. Um, Lee purchased fake birth certificates and social security cards, and she legally became Alexandria Canton, and her daughter became a little boy named Nick Canton. So they first went to Houston, where Lee wore a wig and was able to get a Texas driver's license at the DMV. And once she had a driver's license to match her birth certificate and social security card, it was very easy for her to get passports for herself and her baby. So 64 days after she lost custody of her daughter, Lee picked her up for her scheduled visitation. She then cut and dyed her hair and drove to the Atlanta airport with Savannah. That night, Harris called Lee's brother when he couldn't get a hold of her and she hadn't returned with Savannah at the time that she was supposed to. Um, Lee's brother said that he hadn't heard from her and didn't know where she was. And Harris told him that his sister wasn't fit to be a mother and didn't have the sense for it, to which her brother responded that apparently she had the sense to get away from him, which I thought was really funny. (laughs) That is really funny. I love that. I love this brother. (laughs) Right. Um, Before she left, Lee had recorded a videotape for her family and friends and said that her husband was evil and had turned her into a villain. She said that she had never had any kind of mental illness and basically she was doing what she had to to protect her daughter. Mm Mm-hmm. So the FBI launched a massive manhunt looking for Lee and Savannah. Special agents believed that Lee would harm her child, and they also thought that they would find her living in a hotel within a week or two because fugitives often had trouble leaving their old lives behind. So they're like, yeah, we'll find her. It's no big deal. Like, she'll call someone. She'll visit someone. She'll let someone know where she is, and we'll be able to get her. She's going to slip up somehow. Exactly. But Lee's like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, we're doing this. (laughs) Like, I'm 100% full in. Which honestly, to me, kind of is like a vote in that she isn't, doesn't have like some like mental illness like mm-hmm. that he's claiming. Because I'm like, I feel like she would have slipped up. You know what I mean? If it's like, yeah, she's so mentally ill, she cannot take care of this child. But you're saying she could orchestrate this whole thing perfectly. Yeah. But she couldn't take care of her kid. <laughs> like Exactly. Like she knows that she does not want him to have her. And she's like... If I have to cut ties with the rest of my family forever to protect my bo- my daughter, then so be it. Mm-hmm. So, um, And she just completely disappeared and cut ties with everyone in Charleston. So Lee and Savannah first went to Malaysia, which is where she renamed Savannah Samantha and started going by her alias Alex. And seven months later, they moved to South Africa, which is where Lee met an engineering geologist named Juan Jeldenheis. So she did tell him her real name and all about her past, um, but he accepted her and they got married and they had a little boy named Reese before moving to Botswana. So five years after Savannah disappeared, Harris Todd decided to look for his daughter and ex-wife himself since the FBI hadn't had any luck. So he started with Costa Rica and then just went to random places around the world looking for them. (laughs) He's like, where would I go? Costa Rica. (laughs) Like... And because he was interviewed in this 48 Hours episode, and he's just like, like, there's clips of him, like, I'm going to Costa Rica now, and I'm looking at, like, schools. And I'm like, are you just going to do that around the whole world? Like, that just seems so absurd. Yeah. Especially if like, you don't have, like, any lead yeah. that would, like, make you think Costa Rica. You're like, Costa Rica sounds good. I'll go here. Yeah. You're like, maybe they would go there. That seems nice. And if you remember from the beginning, like, Lee grew up traveling a lot around the world. So, like, she's very familiar with 
living in different places and mm-hmm. very strange that he would just like, okay. Um, Harris did go on numerous talk shows begging for the return of his daughter. He also sued Lee's family members for conspiracy to commit kidnap because he believed they had something to do with it. But like her family literally knew nothing. They just got the videotape afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, But he did hire PIs to look into them. After being on the run for 13 years and living in four different continents, Lee and her new family finally settled in Australia and Lee started working at Oxford University Press and hosting exchange students. Um, Her and Juan did divorce after he fell in love with another woman, but he remained very active in his children's lives until he died of bone cancer in 2011. And what, like, I guess a good man to, like, not tell her secret? Right? To, like, accept, like, okay, I understand what happened. I get why, and and even after, like, we get divorced, like, I'm not going to tell your secret. Like, yeah, that's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, like, the way she spoke about him, it was like, like, he fell in love with another woman. Obviously, that sucks. But she didn't speak poorly of him. It was mm-hmm. just like, it wasn't working between us anymore. But he was still very involved in both of his children's lives because, yeah. obviously, he had treated Savannah as his own this whole time. So just one week after Juan's death, Lee, who was going by Alex at this time, was in her home on the phone at 7.30 in the morning when she heard banging on the front door. She opened the door to FBI agents with guns, telling her they had a warrant for her arrest. So it turns out that Alex had confided in the wrong friend about her history, and that friend reached out to Harris Todd with her new name. So she did tell a few people along the way what had happened, and this one person was like, oh, well, I'm going to call your ex-husband and let him know what name you go by now. Yeah, that's one of those things you just cannot tell. Like, I'm glad she told, like, her next husband and didn't, like, keep that from him. Yeah. But also, like... You can't tell anyone that. Yeah. And I'm you guessing... can't trust people. Two can no. keep a secret if one of them is dead. Exactly. We all know that from the Pretty Little Liars theme song. Shh. <laughs> 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 um, I'm guessing that she started doing that more. I mean, because at this point it's been 19 years. So I'm so guessing. She's getting that... like confident that like yeah. she's not going to get caught. Exactly. Um, So once the police knew her alias, it was very easy for them to track her movements across the world for the past 19 years. Um, But it did take them two years to arrest Lee after they received this information because they had to work out, like, deals between the different countries. So they had this information two years prior, but it took that long for them to actually be able to go arrest her in Australia. So her son Reese returned home when she was sitting with the FBI agents, and so she told him everything and then had to call Samantha who was away at school studying to be a nurse, and tell her that she had kidnapped her 20 years before and was just arrested. So that's an interesting phone call to get while you're away at school. (laughs) You're also probably maybe going to bring this up. So I guess in the 90s, there was no statute of limitation on kidnapping. Because, I mean, there's even some, like, rape charges that in states just got statute of limitations, you know? So... I'm wondering, you know what I'm saying? Because this is so, like, decades later. I'm trying to remember. I want to say they mentioned, like, why it was still active. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's because because it was international is what it was. Oh, so there's no, like, statute of limitation once it goes international? At least at that time. I don't know if that has changed, but Mm -hmm. I remember that's what... Because if she had just stayed in the country, 
then it, it would have would have yeah. fallen under the statute of limitations. But because she took her, because she kidnapped her child internationally, I don't think there was any statute of limitations on that. Gotcha, gotcha. So Lee told her daughter that her real name was Savannah and that her real father was a man named Harris Todd and that she felt like she had to save her from him and that's why she did what she did. So Samantha was shocked to learn that her mother had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and that the judge believed that she was a danger. She said that her mother had never shown any signs of mental illness, that she had never tried to hurt her, she'd never been violent or thrown things or anything. Um, when Lee was still pregnant, she had started a diary for Samantha to read one day where she explained everything that was happening and why she was making the choices that she was making. Um, so she did give Samantha this diary to read after she was arrested. Samantha and Lee's friends collected affidavits from across four continents and fought extradition, but they lost and Lee was forced to return to Charleston in 2014. She was charged with international parental kidnapping and two counts of passport fraud, charges that carry prison sentences of up to 23 years. Lee confirmed that she was guilty of the passport fraud, but that she didn't believe she was guilty of kidnapping. So when she was asked if she didn't think that she broke the law when taking her daughter from her father and leaving the country on the run, she said, quote, no, the law was broken when a corrupt judge took that baby from me and took her mother away from her. So, you know. Yeah. Um, she was denied bail and did finally plead guilty after sitting in jail for five months awaiting trial. Um, she was sentenced to 21 months in prison with credit for five months time served. So she was facing up to 23 years and got 21 months. So mm -hmm. not horrible. A lot of this too is like so far in the past and obviously like thankfully it turned out fine. We're obviously... Yeah. Samantha Savannah is like fine. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So yeah, I can kind of see how they're like, okay, we'll just lessen this a little <laughs> <laughs> and i think too especially with samantha's testimony of like she's never shown mm -hmm. any signs of mental illness like she has never harmed us in any way like and then like i said they gathered all of these affidavits from people who have known her all across the world for the past 20 years no one else has anything to say about like her showing any signs of bipolar or violence or anything yeah so Samantha wrote an eight-page letter to Harris Todd introducing herself and asking why he said that her mother was violent. Um, she said that she was interested in a relationship with him as long as he was not interested in revenge or spite. So he responded to her letter, but he did not acknowledge like any of her questions about her mom. He just wanted to talk about her. So Harris Todd and Samantha met in person a year later, and he took her on a two-and-a-half-hour tour of his house, showing her his most prized possessions. Um, Samantha thought the reunion was really awkward and didn't know why he wasn't, like, trying to get to know her or what he'd missed over the last 20 years. He was just like, mm -hmm. here's my life and all my things, which I guess especially for someone who never wanted kids and didn't raise any children, he's like, I don't know how to interact with you. Just I mean, let me yeah, show you my stuff, <laughs> you know. And again, Samantha told him that she was open to a relationship as long as he acknowledged that she would never turn against her mother. Mm -hmm. um, so she's like... Yeah, like, I'll have a relationship with you, but I'm not going to discount my mom or, like, I still have a relationship with her as well. Yeah. Um, and then she did say in an interview in 2018 that she has not seen him since then. So I guess he was not open to that. And that's the thing, too, is um, I can just already hear people being like, you guys are so harsh on Harris. Like, but he did kind of do some shitty things, you know, like. Yeah. And I'm not saying that she was people should kidnap their children because Definitely I'm sure not. most times it does not turn out well. Um, 
But, like, he did do some shitty things, and he really only wanted to do it for revenge. And Mm -hmm. you can't, like, deny that. You can't be like, oh, well, he didn't do anything. Like, he kind of did some shitty things. Yeah, and I can see where she was just, like, desperate. Like, she's like, Mm -hmm. he's going to take my baby from me, and he's made me out to be crazy, and he's going to do the same thing to her. And I just don't want to let that happen, you know? Like... And he does not want this kid. Like, he said from the beginning, like, I don't want kids. I want you to have an abortion. I don't want this girl. And then, like, only did it to get custody and was, like, not, you know what I mean? Like, he just did not really care about her. And, like, if you, like, get a girl pregnant and, like, do not want anything to do with a kid, like, okay, fine. But, like, don't try and, like, take her away just for, like, your own spiteful reasons just have nothing to do with her and the kid then like it seemed like lee would have been fine with that yeah sign away your parental rights yeah say goodbye none of this would have happened and for me like the most telling part because obviously as i'm watching this um episode it's very he said she said so i'm like oh like what do i you know but then when it gets to the end and samantha and all of their family and friends in australia and everybody are like no like she's not like he is the only person and this doctor that he met before they met him together these are the only people that are testifying that she has any kind of mental illness violent behavior whatsoever so i'm like there's no way like if you were that much of a danger that much of a threat something would have popped up within the last 20 years and it didn't and it's very very telling that like even though he tried to travel the world to find his daughter like once she's there he doesn't have a relationship with her like that is very fishy that's very like if you're gonna go through like i'm gonna travel the world and go to all these different countries and i have to find her and like i'm pleading on tv like please find her all this stuff and then now you have her like she wants a relationship with you as long as it's you know on kind of her conditions like Uh you're just like all right peace out goodbye i'm done like that's weird yeah very much so So, Lee was released from jail in May of 2015 and stayed in Charleston with her old friends and family. Um, Samantha stayed in Queensland, Australia, became a nurse, and got married, and Reese went on to study at Auburn University. Um, Lee also wrote a memoir called A Mother's Promise about the whole ordeal, which I tried to buy, and it was like $40, and I was like, hmm, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's when you were telling yeah. me about that it was just, like, really expensive. <laughs> yeah, I think because it was only published, like, in Australia, so I think that's why mm. um, it was so expensive and there weren't any, like, ebooks or anything. Yeah. Um, so Lee tried to return to Australia because she wanted to be able to be there for the birth of her grandchildren, but the Australian government denied her visa request because of the kidnapping. Um, Samantha and her husband even had to move their wedding to Fiji so that her mother could attend. So they were planning on getting married in Australia, but she's literally not allowed back in Australia. Wow. Um, so she is continuing to fight it. And in her words, Lee told Samantha that if she's never allowed back into the country, that she should spread her ashes over Australia when she kicks the bucket. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is the ultimate, like, (laughs) fuck you. That is hilarious. Yes, so she's like, once I'm dead, just spread my ashes all over that place. Now I'm here forever. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so that is the um, pretty crazy story of Lee Barnett kidnapping her child and being on the run for 20 years before some friend told on them and they got found out. I don't 
think I'd heard of this one. Like, it sounds familiar. Like, maybe I saw a headline being like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, woman is found, like, years after, and maybe I read it or not. But mm-hmm. I didn't know any of those details on that. That was a good one. That was crazy. Like. Yes. And the fact that she was able to, like, like basically, like, get away with the kidnapping is insane. Yeah. Like. Because, I mean, her daughter was an adult by the time mm-hmm. that they were found. So, I mean, obviously no one's going to, like, take custody of her at 20 years old. And, you know, she didn't really... No one asked her, like, do you regret what you did or anything? But I can't imagine that she does because she's like, no, I, sp- I spent, like, less than two years in prison and I got my whole life with my daughter. So, probably worth it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is it's like, who knows what her life would have been if she had been with yeah. her father. if. He clearly, like, didn't really want anything to do with her. Which, again, I'm saying, like, if you were a man listening to this and you get a girl pregnant and you want nothing to do, like, tell her that. Like, sign away your parental rights. Just don't, like, go for revenge. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's okay to not want kids, but it's, like, not okay to, like, use your child as a, like, pawn in your game to Mm -hmm. try and, like, get back at someone. Like, that's not okay. (laughs) And I just cannot get over this psychiatrist that, like, was contacted by this man and he's, like... I want you to meet with me and my wife, but I'm going to meet with you first and I'm going to tell you all about my wife and then we're going to meet together. And like she said, it was so weird because they like literally like introduced themselves and then she finds out later like they already had a whole session and they're like just blatantly lying in front of her of like they had just met. Yeah. And he's using... And it's so weird because it's like, it doesn't sound like he knew him like, oh, it's like a family friend, like whatever, like... You just met with us? Like, did you pay him or something to get him to just be like, oh, yeah, like... It's really weird. I I don't know. And it's like... It was like the 90s, too. So it wasn't even kind of like in the 60s and 70s where it's like, a woman's crying. She has issues. Um, <laughs> it's just... A hysterical woman. Hysterical. Um, so, yeah. She's a wandering uterus. <laughs> oh, God. That was a good one. Um... But, yeah, it's just, like, very, very odd that, like, a psychiatrist would do this. Like, how does he feel about it now? Like, I can't... I want to know. I can't get over the, like, like how unethical that is. That, Mm -hmm. like, that breaks every rule. Like, you can't... As a marriage therapist, you can't see one person without, like... Like, seeing them, Everyone knowing that that's happening. Like, it'd be one thing if you're like, oh, I'm meeting with you as a couple. Like, let's talk about maybe I could meet... But, like, really, as a marriage therapist, you shouldn't even see each person individually. Like, yeah. Because then, then you're going to be biased. You're taking that information. Yeah, you're taking that information into your next session with the couple. Like, you should only be seeing the couple. And especially to do it before you've even met the person. Like, now you already have this in your mind. And, like, it's pretty much his testimony that ended up with Harris getting custody. Because he's like, she's violent. And he made that diagnosis after their first meeting. That's what I was going to say. Like, you cannot diagnose someone, first off, off of someone else's, like, words. Yes. Entirely. But also, like, after meeting them one time, like, it really isn't, like, just boxes that you check. It's not like, okay, check, check, check. You have bipolar. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this isn't a BuzzFeed quiz. (laughs) Take this quiz about food to find out what mental illness you have. works what if what if therapists were like those machines at mcdonald's where you like order your own food and you just go in and you're like i have and they like print out a receipt and they're like you have this go take this medication (laughs) 
Oh, gosh. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Yeah, so that was that. Um, Hopefully, this one was a little bit lighter after last week's very dark and sad episode. We're sorry that we did that to you. Oh, God, yeah. We needed a little bit... We need a little bit lighter. That one was, I think my soul yes. just crushed researching it. It was just like, oh, God, this is horrible. Yeah, it was really bad. But, Courtney, what is your perk of the week? Okay, so my perk of the week. So when this pandemic started, I don't know if I said it on the podcast that gets released to everyone. I know for sure I said it in the video Q&A on Patreon um, that one of the first things I was going to do when the pandemic was over was get a pedicure. Now, I know the pandemic yes. is not over, but I am vaccinated. <laughs> so one of the first things I said I was going to do when I got vaccinated was go get a pedicure. And I did that today. And y'all, it was nice. They, that poor woman, I am so sorry. She does not listen to this, but lady, <laughs> I am so sorry for what you had. I hope you tipped her well, because I'm sure she I did. It. She did. She was, her arm probably was sore after scrubbing these feet. Um <laughs> But I got a pedicure and I like got the deluxe one too. I was like, it's been a while. I can splurge oh, that extra money to get this like deluxe, you know. I mean, think of how much money you've saved on pedicures over the last year. You have to get the good one. <laughs> exactly. And so I did that and I got my nails done and I just, I feel so good. And I went, to, I got to go with my mom and Tiffany and it was just a nice little outing. And yeah. um, it was nice. Most people were wearing masks. Um, not all, but most. So it's about as good as you can get in Tennessee. But I finally got my pedicure and I feel so good. And my feet aren't going to scrape against the covers at night anymore. <laughs> I am very jealous of that feeling. I cannot oh. wait until that's me. Hopefully soonish. I don't know how long yeah. it will take for me to get vaccinated after the baby gets here, but hopefully soon. It yeah. does seem to be more available now than in the beginning. So I have hope, but that especially is... if you want to come down to Tennessee, like they cannot give it away. They're like, please, somebody get this shot. Yeah, I saw too that uh, Tennessee got rid of their mask mandate. So that's fun. They did. Um, I, a lot of places I go are still requiring it. Um, like the restaurant that's like right next to us, like basically posted something and was like, we're still requiring masks. Yeah. Like there will be no conversation about this. Like don't even try and like I was nervous I have to go to the courthouse and they were still making people put masks on thankfully so seems like a lot of places are doing it but there's still a lot of people who just like aren't wearing them or have just been like okay cool like done so it's kind of scary it's like dang it now I'm vaccinated and I'm at least I'm safe and like soon like everyone I know will be vaccinated too so it's like less of a worry but it's like my goodness this sucks yeah (laughs) But anyway, this is supposed to be happy time. Jacqueline, what is your perk of the week? So my perk of the week, so this is a bit of a delayed perk of the week, but other more important perks have popped up in the last couple of weeks. But as we all know, I like Law & Order SVU just a little bit, if you haven't heard that (laughs) yet. Um, And if any of you all also like Law & Order SVU, you know that the character of Elliot Stabler is back. Um, so he has been in one or two, maybe just the one episode of Law and Order SVU, but for his new spinoff show, Organized Crime, which is really good and I greatly enjoy it. Um, it's kind of Law and Ordery, but also like not. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got like a different like 
feel. It's like more modern. It kind of has this like fresh vibe to it. It, it kind of reminds me of like a like a Flashpoint, like NCIS kind of kind of thing. Yeah, versus like straight Law and Order, but it's still got some Law and Order, and of course it has Chris Maloney who is wonderful and I love him. <laughs> but anyway, so that is my perk of the week is just the new show, Organized Crime. And if you guys are watching, please let me know. I'd love to discuss it with you because it's made me very happy. But there haven't been any episodes the last two weeks, which makes me very sad. There's one coming up yes. with him in it. Yes, there's a crossover there's a this crossover. week. Yes, there's a two-hour crossover event. What'll be now like three weeks ago <laughs> when you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like three, <laughs> very long time ago at this point. Um, but yeah, because Kevin and I, I think I mentioned this, we go to mm-hmm. my parents' house on Thursdays for dinner. And when the show Clarice came out, it comes out mm. on Thursdays at 10. So that's kind of been like the family yeah. show that we turn on at 10. Um, but the problem is we don't really like that news station. And S- Late Night with Stephen Colbert comes on, which is like, mm-hmm. okay, but... Not as good as, like, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> yep. So we switch it over. And so I saw the end of, like, there's going to be a crossover and <laughs> with them. And, like, I saw the whole, like, ads and stuff. I yes. thought of you. <laughs> I'm super excited. Also, I'm going to be really sad if the baby decides to come this Thursday night. Well, mm-hmm. I guess I don't usually watch it till Friday night because I got to watch on Hulu. But if I yeah. have to wait, you know, a week to get caught up. But, you know, I don't know. Or maybe... Or maybe I'll be in labor Thursday night and I can watch it on cable at the hospital because I don't have cable at all. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so funny. <laughs> They're like, okay, it's time to push. Hold on, hold on. I'm waiting for a commercial. <laughs> Wait, what was happening? What was happening? I really hope that whenever you go into labor, there is a Law & Order SVU marathon on and that you turn it on and that is what Millie's born to because nothing else would be fitting. I mean, that it really is, you know... The most fitting. And yeah. again, it's so weird having this conversation because when you guys hear this, again, she's most likely going to be here. I really hope because this would be past 41 weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's it's about that time. You're getting into that, like those last few weeks where you're like, all right. Yeah. Let, let's go. I'm, I'm let's, very ready. Uh... <laughs> but <laughs> so definitely let us know your thoughts on this episode, on SVU, organized crime, on what shows or songs or whatever babies should be born to, all the fun things on Instagram at Caffeinated Crimes Pod, on Twitter at Caff Crimes Pod, that's C A F F Crimes Pod, on Facebook at Caffeinated Crimes Podcast. Uh, at gmail at caffeinatedcrimespod at gmail (laughs) Um, (laughs) and if you feel so inclined uh, Courtney mentioned our 2020 video recap episode or some other bonus episode all of that fun stuff is at patreon.com slash caffeinatedcrimes yeah and we are still doing our apple reviews giveaway forever and ever Millie will be 18 (laughs) Um, (laughs) but we're still doing Millie that. will have an iPhone by the time we do this so she can leave a oh review. Oh my god, our 50th <laughs> review is going to be 18-year-old Millie. Anyway, um, so once we get to 50 reviews, we're going to pick someone. You're going to get a pin, a sticker, a gift card to the coffee shop of your choice. 
um, please go do that. We want to give, we want to stop talking to you guys about this. Like, no offense, y'all, but like, we're a little yep. sick of saying it. Um, so please just tell everyone to go review us. Um, make sure you get the right caffeinated crimes because there's an imposter out there. Guys, I'm on it. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> don't worry. It's spelled wrong. So, yeah. But yeah. Courtney and I got to take care we're, of it. I'm going to take care of it. I've been <laughs> doing some research. So, don't worry. <laughs> Uh, Courtney's on it. So, Courtney's on the case. (laughs) And I think with that, it is officially time for us all to go have a cup of coffee. (laughs) And don't commit a crime.